Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we've been quite busy lately, and we can't wait to tell you all about the cars and the places that we've been, uh, the cars we've been driving, the places that we've been, and uh, we think it's kind of interesting stuff, so why don't you uh, take a listen and see what we've got in store this week. Isn't that right, and- Ben? That's that's completely correct. And later on in hour two, we're probably maybe going to have Ghostface Killer dropping by the studio to talk with us about uh, his uh, latest album and the kind the kind of cars he's been driving recently. So that that should be exciting. I'm really excited about that. Uh, we've never had a guest drop in and or drop out. So uh, whatever happens now will be a 100% chance of it happening for, in the future. But <laughs> I think we should I think we should start with uh, Sammy just came back from the Geneva Motor Show, which takes place in dun 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 Geneva. So right. uh, he's semi jet lagged, but very excited. Um, jet lag and excited excitement are not exclusive features. They don't either happen one or the other, and you can be quite excited and jet lagged. Um, which is what I am. You can also be a little jet lagged and still very excited. You can also have no jet lag um, and very excited as well. That's what I've noticed. Uh, in which case, you can be a perfectly normal human being um, with a high level of excitement. You can also be very jet lagged and have no excitement. Isn't that weird? This is a fascinating Russian doll style portraiture of the human experience you painted for us. But um, what happened in Geneva? <laughs> Oh, right. At the Geneva Motor Show, uh, a bunch of cars debuted. Uh, I was there uh, as a guest of Honda, and the reason for that is because Honda has uh, a new Honda Civic Type R, which is a very fast, compact hatch, which is uh, front-wheel drive, and it looks like a Honda take on the Subaru STI. <laughs> that's, the best way to, that's the best way to describe it in terms of design. It's got wings and scoops and a huge wide fender flares. It looks very aggressive. Um, and now we have horsepower numbers and other technical details. So, Ben, I, I what would feel, you like to... Well, I kind of feel like when you say it looks like the STI, I think that's kind of kind of soft-pedaling it a bit. It kind of looks more like the Batmobile from Batman Forever. Like, it's it's just got... <laughs> combined with the tumbler, it's it's just got so many creases and, like, it has a, what, tri-exit exhaust? Um, yeah, it has three exhaust exits. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of, honestly, it's overwhelming. I find it <laughs> a super busy design. And it's funny because all this week there was another vehicle that was uh, not debuted, but journalists got the chance to drive it for the first time. And that was the Toyota CHR, which is kind of a small crossover that doesn't offer all-wheel drive. And um, it was, it was people were saying, oh, this this is over-the-top design-wise. And I'm looking at the CHR, which, you know, has a lot of creases and, and, and lines and, and angles. And I'm looking at the Honda Civic Type R, and I'm wondering, why does the Type R get a pass for being even busier than the Toyota? I think it's that way because of the, I think, the performance aspect. I think aggressive cars are are given that pass to be aggressive looking. Um, and this car is aggressive. It has 306 horsepower um, in, in terms of American horsepower. Uh, I'm going to say that because it sounds, and it sounds funny because um, a lot of the international magazines and, and publications went with a 316 um, horsepower number, and that's just due to different configurations between uh, different regions and the way they test horsepower and the different fuel um, types of fuel that they use. So the ones we get, the vehicles we get in North America will have 306 horsepower. What do you think of that? I think that I'm trying to remember the last time there was a front-wheel drive compact car that had anything like that kind of horsepower. Can can it you had, help me? It had to be the Mazda Speed or the Mazda Speed 3, um, which had 276 horsepower 
and it was that's about on par with the Focus ST as well, around 270. If I'm if I'm not wrong, um, and those no, the cars, Focus ST was 252. Really. Yes. Wow, sorry, I didn't mean to get that excited about it. I thought it was much more. The Mazda Speed 3 was a handful um, when you put your foot into it. Uh, there was so much torque steer, and torque steer is when uh, the front wheels uh, are, are kind of like grasping for grip, and uh, as a result, the steering wheel just yanks and turns with it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very harrowing experience, don't you think, Ben? I, you know, something else about that car, and I, I agree that it's, it's not exactly a performance feel when, when you're dealing with torque steer, but the, I yeah. believe the Mazda Speed also had an ECU that pulled torque in the first two or three gears even. Yes, to, I, do, uh, I do recall this. Yeah. So you could not access all of the horsepower because they wanted to mitigate the, you know, potentially dangerous, not dangerous, but just like disconcerting effects of torque, torque steer. And in my experience, that that didn't help. <laughs> I remember it. I remember it having quite a bit of torque steer through all the gears. But back to this this Civic, which yeah, 306 horsepower to the front wheel sounds like a lot. Um, and uh, they it, it are, is a lot. It doesn't just sound like a lot. That that is a lot. Yeah. Can you imagine if the if the Focus RS went was front wheel drive? That would you be know, unbearable. You can. I need, and look, who who wants this car? Who's this car aimed at? Um, I was going to say people like you and me, but I don't no, think that's right. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Younger no. people than me and you? <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious because it's, I can't imagine it's going to be cheap. It's going to be uh, mid-$35,000 uh, in, in terms of the United States, maybe um, a little over 40000 in Canada. Do we have horsepower numbers on the SI? I can't remember. Uh, on the Civic Si? Yeah, the the in the in between model. No, we don't have any numbers on that. Okay, so it, it, we're gonna or assume at least I don't it's think so. well, it's not gonna be three hundred. No, it's not gonna be three hundred. And <laughs> so I think like it has what? to be over two hundred. Well, I I yeah, I would agree with you. And given that they're probably gonna use a small displacement turbo, it's probably gonna be like what two thirty or two forty or something. I would so, I would imagine that's right. That's like the sweet spot between the two cars. So the question becomes. Are there enough buyers above the more affordably priced SI, which I'm sure you could chip and get to the same level of power, to, to soak up all this Type R stuff? Like I, I don't, I don't get who the car is for. I mean, okay, the okay. STI. Hold on, hold on. You're you're jumping ahead of yourself. The Type R is more than just power, man. It's got uh, four wheel <laughs> adaptive suspension. Um, it's got a, a. It's probably gonna have a very unique sound signature. It also has a ton of uh, different driver modes. Well, not a ton. It has three unique driver modes. So a comfort, sport, and it plus R mode, which adjusts the, the steering setup, the suspension setup, the throttle response. This thing also has an automatic rev matching uh, manual transmission, uh, which is cool. And I doubt the Civic Si will have all of those features. None of which I really want in a... Ben, <laughs> no, because you don't want it doesn't mean somebody else won't. <laughs> no, I, 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 let me finish my sentence, though. I, I feel like none of that I really want in that package. You know what I mean? Because it looks like a Batmobile. Not so much that, just like it's a, it's still an entry-level compact car, right? That's right. And it doesn't have any of the rally heritage that the Subaru does. That's also true. I mean, in terms of uh, motorsports heritage, uh, Civics are kind of like grassroots motorsports cars, kind of like the Miata, are they not? Yeah. So, so what I, what, I, what I mean by the, the the rally thing is you can't just slap all-wheel drive on it and call it a day like Ford was able to do with the RS. 
Um, so you've got this un unmanageable amount of horsepower to the front wheels. Typically, or I mean traditionally, the SI and the Type R have been high revving four cylinder engines that are very engaging to drive. And this sounds like exactly the opposite of that. It's it's got all these computer controlled drive modes that are gonna do everything for you. So I don't know, like thirty five thousand dollars. It just seems like it just seems like a kind of a weird outlier. I, I don't know how many of them they're actually gonna sell. Okay, okay. You seem uh, you seem uninterested, but uh, I think there's a huge market for these. I, I mean, the the hunger for this car is huge. There wasn't a type. The last Type R in North America was the Integra, I think. Uh, yes. No, there was there was, there was the an SIR. There, there was, was the SIR. Yeah. Was that a Canadian only thing? It might have been. Um, that was also uh, that also has actually a lot of um like cred on the on the market i think it might be tough to find an sir on the market and i know type r's are notoriously uh, expensive integra type r's are, are, are notoriously expensive and frequently uh, stolen so yeah. people people are interested in these cars that's for sure but it's fundamentally different from any of those cars like it's not a continuation of those cars it's something else with that name and i think that's important to to just kind of underscore don't don't jump the gun the last europe the, the european type r uh, sorry, I'm so excited I'm getting, like, stutters. <laughs> Kerfuffled. Uh, yes, I'm absolutely, um, I'm, I'm discombobulated thinking about this thing. The last Type R, the European Type R, which we, we could not buy here, um, was one of the fastest cars around the Nürburgring. Um, actually, I think it held the front-wheel drive production record um, until the GTI Club Sport 400. Which is a pretty, which is a really important uh, performance metric. If they were huh. able to do that with the last generation t Type R, there's no way they think they that they're they're going to go backwards in terms of performance with the new one. No, I'm not. I'm not doubting that it's going to be faster. I'm just, you know, I mean, it comes down to what are you buying? Are you buying a spec sheet or are you buying a driving experience? And and nowadays those are two very different things. I agree. Like, I agree with you. And I think our last podcast we talked about uh, spec sheets and driving. Uh, feel like really important engaging feel yeah. Uh, yeah. when talking about the 86 and the Elantra um, and uh, yeah I can I can hear you on that but you know cars are becoming so advanced and, and modernized that uh, they want to pack them full of pack them full of power and see how people uh, react to them well, it also helps justify a higher price you know it's yeah. in the end it's all marketing in the end it's a calculation to see how many of these vehicles they're going to be able to sell and what kind of margin they can make so I mean I understand that as well Okay, one last thing about the Type R, which I thought was uh, important to bring up, is um, the weight. Now, me and you, when we were talking about uh, performance cars the last time we had the podcast, um, about two weeks ago, we mentioned lightweight cars are, are hard to come by nowadays. Uh, things are, are getting more expensive, uh, and with all the technology and vehicles, they do end up adding weight to the car. Uh, this thing is promised to be lighter than a base uh, Honda Civic hatchback. Now, I didn't do the numbers. I haven't looked at the numbers. But that sounds pretty promising. Yeah, it's a very strong claim to make. Let's see if they can follow through. Uh, there are some other cars at the Geneva Motor Show that really caught my eye as well. Um, do you want to talk concept cars or do you want to talk about production cars? I want to talk whatever you're more comfortable talking about. Well, one of the things I took a look at was a new vehicle from Infinity. Now, I know Infinity has been on the auto Unnamed Automotive podcast um, docket for a long time. We've been talking about them. And recently I had the Red Sport 400, and I think a while back you we both drove one. Um, and can you can 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 you and I agree that the Red Sport 400, what did you think it was going to be? Did you think it was going to be an AMG rival or not? 
I, I honestly hadn't thought about it. <laughs> so okay. You just mentioned it now. The Red Sport 400 is a is a uh, two. They have two cars with this configuration: the Q50, which is a sedan, and the Q60, which is a coupe. Um, they have two of these cars. They make 400 horsepower from a three-liter twin-turbo V6. And I thought they were plenty fast. Um, not exactly engaging, but plenty fast. And they both looked gorgeous. Um, apparently, that's not enough for Infiniti. And they're they're considering making a true rival to BMW's M division and Mercedes' uh, AMG division. And they think they can do that with something called the Black S. Um, so, you know, the Red S is for Red Sport. And I guess the Black Sport... Um, is the black ass. And so they, they had a concept at the Geneva Motor Show that had 500 horsepower and a ton of carbon fiber. Well, remember three years ago when we were supposed to get the Eau Rouge? Yes, I, of course I remember five years ago when, <laughs> or however many years ago when we were supposed to get the Eau Rouge. When they which were was supposed to. the sedan version of the GTR. It, which is, yeah, they basically um, were going to create that rival to um, the, M, the M cars with this fantastically powerful sedan. And then it never happened. It never <laughs> happened. Instead, we got the Red Sport. Now, I thought Eau Rouge Red Sport was directly related to one another. Maybe they thought the names were just not right and they wanted to go with something a little bit more, I don't know, accessible. And Red Sport might have been that. But apparently that's not the case. And I guess we're late, we're walking away from IPL. That's not a thing anymore. Yeah, IPL's long gone. The, the first of all, how many IPLs did they actually made? They made one, didn't they? Or I drove two. the convertible. A I drove the G sixty con- or yes, G thirty seven convertible. Uh, it was way more expensive and offered no extra power. <laughs> exactly. So can we come to the conclusion that that Infinity just likes to tease us that uh, they know what they're doing and really does not deliver? Um, every time they they showcase one of these cars, can we come to that? I don't know. It just it just seems strange that. Um, there's been a lot of false starts with them for performance. And yeah, you'd figure the Red Sport would be the top of the lineup, but maybe 400 horsepower is the price of entry now. I, I don't know. And it doesn't make know. any sense to me because this is, a, this is a car brand with a few cars. Uh, they don't have a really extensive lineup like Mercedes, BMW, and Audi do have. Um, those guys have cars in almost every segment. And then Infinity is missing uh, really important vehicles uh Along the, along the way. as I mean, though, in comparison, I do prefer the QX50, and the new QX50 sounds like a great car. Um, I like the QX, all their SUVs, actually, more than, than the German rivals, I think, um, in most cases. So it's weird that they're focusing on performance when crossovers seem to be their strength, and crossovers are a strength in the market. What do you think of that? You know, I guess it all comes down to what platforms are available, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at historically, they've been basing their um, their crossovers on rear-wheel drive sedan platforms that were all tied back to a very old platform that it re- underpinned the original 350Z. Mm-hmm. So you could just be looking at a point in time where Infinity hasn't been able to snag the right platform to put out a comprehensive lineup of SUVs. And even the even the QX80, the, the top of the line, is is a direct port over from a very, uh, you know, a, a common Nissan. The um, Patrol? Or the Armada? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's... Who knows what the development dollar situation is like there. And also, why are they struggling to get the, these, these, these horsepower, these transmissions, or whatever, the performance out of their cars? They have a very, very close relationship with, Dame, with Daimler and Mercedes. Uh, they share engines and platforms and other vehicles, and I can't I, see how they won't just go, hey, you know what, why don't we, do, why don't we continue that? I thought that was dead. I thought that was, that, I thought that was over. You do. You do believe that. Yeah, I thought that was dead when they bought Mitsubishi. No way, man. I mean, for starters, the new Mercedes X-Class 
uh, pickup truck is based on a Nissan Navara. The X-Class pickup truck? Is that even a real thing? That's a real thing. It's not coming to North America, though. All right, so that's so it's not a real thing, then. <laughs> Just because it's not coming to North America doesn't mean it's not a real thing. It's going to be a, a global market thing. All right. Opinions vary on what's real and what's not real. <laughs> that's true. Podcast. That's very true. Um, uh, there were some other cool cars at the auto show. There was a new Porsche uh, 911 GT3, which is their highest performance level um, car. And for the latest generation of GT3, they, it's been missing something very, very important. Um, do you know what that well, was? It's been missing a couple of things. Um, one is engines that don't explode. That would. <laughs> that, I, happened, I, I, that happened once, and they had to recall no, 800 cars, didn't they? Yeah. Th- am I wrong in thinking that the GT3 is the car where every single motor had to be replaced? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yes. For so fear that was an of issue. explosions or fire. That was an issue. Um. Yeah, and then they they didn't give a manual transmission option for for that generation. Yeah. So they took out the two most exciting parts of the car: the exploding the, engine, the fire, and the <laughs> and, and the, the transmission. transmission. So they've now changed their mind on one of those two things, and they've introduced a new exploding GT3 um, at the Geneva Motor Show. Wait, no, I'm nice. just joking. It's the manual transmission um, that's that found their way back into the, um, the the 911, which is which is cool, isn't it? I think so, uh, but we've had this conversation before. I mean, you and I are into manual transmissions, but no one bought a Viper because you couldn't get an automatic. So it's like, what does Porsche do in this situation? Do they do they give in to the belly aching from fans who maybe probably can't afford a GT3 but want to have it, a manual transmission in it? Or do they listen to what people are saying when they put their money down? And I'm pretty sure they sold every GT3 with a PDK regardless of what transmission, regardless of the fact there was a missing clutch pedal. So I don't know. I mean... I think they saw the success of another rare version of the 911. The what was it called? The R. Yeah. What was it called? The R. 911 R. The R. Yeah. That was a manual only car as well, and I thought it was pretty stripped out and kind of expensive, right? Hmm. And they sold all of those at, and the resale on those is ridiculous as well. For the people who just buy them to sell to flip them immediately, uh, they're selling those for some like extreme numbers. So. There's Porsche sending uh, sending cars back out to to enthusiasts, which is really cool. Well, well you know, a, v- a very limited number of enthusiasts who are shopping at that level. <laughs> that's, I guess you're right about that. Uh, speaking about enthusiasts and high levels of performance, Audi also showcased uh, their new RS uh, five, which is a coupe version of the uh, a coupe version of the A four or S four. Uh, the A5 has always been that, and now they've put a 450 horsepower turbocharged six-cylinder in there uh, under the hood, and um, there you go. Take that, Mercedes and BMW. <laughs> this is an interesting thing because everyone I've ever talked to when it comes to the car known as the RS5 talks about one thing, and that's the engine that it used to come with, which is a 4.2-liter V8 that I think made 420 horsepower. Yeah, I, I've driven that car. And they all highlight that engine as being the engine. Well, what was interesting about that engine was when it was available, which is not all that long ago, I think two years now, um, it was the only one in its class. Every every other car comparable to the RS5 had gone to forced induction. So you, this is the only high-revving, not just V8, but high-revving engine period you could still get in a European sports sedan or sport coupe. Is that real? Is that true? I thought we had the big ol' engine in the M3. Nope, the M3 had gone turbo by that point. By that point, wow. Yeah. Okay. 
And I'm pretty sure the C63 was in one of its uh, hiatuses. No uh, way. The C63 had one of those great engines that were always. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying it wasn't in production at that time. I oh. think we were still we were still waiting for the new generation model. Okay. So I, it was like a there was like a weird period, a very brief period where the RS5 was the only game in town if you wanted that. And it's a good engine. It's 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 interesting. I I wasn't overly impressed by the car, um, performance wise. I think it was just more of a character thing. It was it was an interesting car to drive. And are you looking forward to a new tur- turbocharged V6 RS5? Not really looking forward to it. I'm curious to see what it'll be like, but uh, there's um, a, there's a huge market. For, I mean, I don't know. I it seems like people love these German uh, super sedans uh, sure. or super. Lease them for three know, years, impre- impress the neighbors, and take them back. And you think that's all there is to it? I don't know how many enthusiasts are actually buying these cars. They're expensive. They are really expensive. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the badge plays a very important role in this marketing. Okay. Uh, moving on, I think that was some of the more interesting things at the show. We saw the new uh, Ferrari 8 something or other Superfast. I can't remember what the numbers were. It's called the Superfast, which I think is hilarious. Uh, there was also a new Lamborghini uh, Huracan Performante, which has, um, <laughs> has really uh, set the Internet on fire by claiming to be the fastest car around the Nürburgring beating the 911 sorry the 918 the Porsche 918 um by five seconds um and there's been some rumors that maybe there are um there's some shenanigans behind the the video and the and the timing but it's a bold claim from a bold company that's always making high high performance vehicles and I think that's really interesting uh there was one more car that really caught my eye that was the Volkswagen Arteon which will replace the Volkswagen CC, which was a very attractive high-end vehicle from the Volkswagen lineup that was sort of um, a step left stone. to die on the vine. Yeah, it it, le- it definitely did was left to die, but at the same time, I could see why Volkswagen Group has the Audi and they, the Audi brand, and they probably wanted people to move out of Volkswagen and into the Audi brand. But this Arteon is the one more higher-end vehicle, uh, which looks kind of sharp. And uh, it might might fell in some numbers. I took a look at I took a look at some photos of the Arteon, and it really reminded me of the Maxima. Did you get that feel? No, the Nissan Maxima. Not at the, all. It the is front big. three quarter. It's very big. The front three quarter. No, I don't see it. But uh, right. I, I'm not that into in, not that into either the Maxima or this Arteon. Um, there are a few other cars that uh, were interesting. Mercedes AMG had a new concept, a four door concept. Um, that would go up against the Panamera. Panamera showed uh, the Porsche Panamera showed off a new wagon, sport wagon, shooting brake. Yeah, and then there was a new Volvo XC60, which, as as nerdy as it sounds, I'm I was quite excited about. Does it get a Does it get the right interior? Yeah, now it gets the 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 interior as well. Not the right interior because I think you and I both have um, some issues with the infotainment system, but now it has the sexy interior that the rest of the XC. 90 and s90 have all right so you're gonna have to just watch out with that uh, infotainment system but otherwise cool car right yeah yeah <laughs> okay you know what i was talking uh, i was talking a crap ton um you you just did mention something though very funny about um naturally aspirated v8s and i believe you recently had one D- i did yeah well i thought you did didn't you have an rc oh 
Yeah, well, are we going to talk about that? Can so I, talk, can I had talk about it real quick because you are. I'll have to talk about it real quick because I was only able to drive it real quick. I for a very brief period of like two evenings, I had an RCF in the driveway, and uh, I had never driven one on the street before. I'd only ever driven one on the track. On the track, it's not a car that I enjoy. Um, I actually prefer the regular RC because I find the RCF to be heavy and a little bit numb um and a lot of that has to do with the way it was designed and and the the design decisions that were part and parcel of the program at the time and uh anyway on the street though it it drives fine it's it's got a decent amount of horsepower it's a 400 and something what's the what's the number uh yeah 420 it's close to like it's close to mustang number or last generation mustang numbers i think it might it might even be more than that and it has uh just under like three i think it's 300 and 80-something pound-feet of torque. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a horrible infotainment system, like every single Lexus that's out there right now, and it's it's the worst part of the car. But everything else about it, it gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people look at it. It sounds good. It has a, has a nice exhaust note. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have to say about the RCF, except for the fact that, and this is something I'm going to talk about in my review, for me, it's, it's not really a sports sedan or, a, sorry, a sport coupe. In the vein of uh, BMW or Mercedes, like one would think it lines up with that, given its price point. But uh, to me, it's a it's a muscle car. It's a Japanese muscle car, and it it has all those muscle car traits that the cars used to have back in the 60s, where like it looks weird, <laughs> like it's very in your face. It has a lot going on. Uh, it's brutish. It's loud. It's it's like a hammer when you're driving it. And uh, I think it's a I think it's a really uniquely Japanese interpretation of the muscle car. Now, there's been um, Japanese muscle cars in the past, and at least that's what I used to call cars like the Supra and the 3000 GT. And Sure. I mean, those are more grand touring cars, but yeah, you could apply the muscle label to a Supra. Okay. Now, can you talk to me about the way this engine... I mean, I guess we talked about the engine in the Oh, LC it has 400 and, 467 horsepower. That's, that's oh, the Oh, wow. That's quite a bit of power. Yeah. It's, it's, Sorry. it's smooth, right? Uh, yeah. It sounds good, right? Yeah. Those don't but sound, it's those super don't sound very, heavy. Those don't sound it's, very convincing. Well, I mean, it's just it's it's an unusual car. It's it's like you you get in it and you expect to like be cutting slaloms. It even has a slalom mode in the drive modes, like a, I'm sorry, like you're what? in. What? Yeah, there's a slalom mode. There's a, a a torque vectoring rear differential. There's all sorts of stuff like that. But it doesn't feel like an M3 or 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 an RS5 for that matter. It 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 just feels like something else. It feels big and and kind of kind of brutal. <laughs> okay. All right, that's interesting. Uh speaking of things that are big and brutal, didn't you get to check out some interesting um some other interesting cars uh around the around the US that were big and brutal? Well, I went to an off-road race that I'd never been to be, been to before. And what was that? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? It was the uh it was the Mint 400, which is a uh, a close to 400 mile race that's run in the desert just outside of prim nevada which is like 15 20 minutes from las vegas can you really help me out and find out what the what mint stands for or whether or not mint is well there was a there was a hotel called the mint hotel back in 1967 Mm -hmm. i think was the first year they had the race and it was done as a promotional thing where they would start uh, the 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 the, the hotel sponsored the race and everything and it was it was was a big promo thing and then it kind of until the late 80s it was run um, in this, in the same kind of fashion. And then it went out of, it went out of, uh, style and, uh, it lost its sponsor and 20 years, nothing happened. And then actually the guys who are running it now are this, I think it's the Martelli brothers. I, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but they're the same guys who did the first Gymkhana video, 
with Ken Block. Wow. It's this, okay. They were the video production team that did that. So now they're doing the Mint 400. <laughs> and uh, they've been doing it, I want to say since 2008 or something. I mean, it might be since 2012, right around there is when it kind of was revitalized. And uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, there's there's so many different classes of vehicle. There's guys who just build their own home-built four-wheel drive um, or even not even four-wheel drive, just buggies and bring them along, kind of like a side-by-side small type of buggy. Then there's guys who run in the trophy truck class, which is like uh, what you would see. This sort of like the stadium trucks or the Baja trucks. And there's a, a limited class, which has like many different segments. And then there's the unlimited class where, you're, you know, these are half million dollar vehicles um, that are kind of, you know, gutting it out um, on the front lines. And they release all the vehicles. They stagger the release throughout the day. It takes for the trophy trucks. It takes about four hours, I think, to do the whole race, which is incredible hmm. um, when you consider the average speed. I think it's four hours. It might be five. It's in there. And uh, the the spread between first and fourth place this year was uh, eight minutes. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So that's incredible to, like, have these trucks out there and to have them, you know, it's the harshest environment you can imagine. There's no – there's pit stops in the sense that you can come back to the pit where you started once every lap, right? The, the laps are 113 miles long. <laughs> so – you can you can get stuff fixed if you need to, but a lot of times what happens is if, if it breaks out on the out on the track, you're fixing it there, or you're getting pushed off the road and you just wait till the race is over. It's not like, you know, you're not gonna get a, a tow truck. <laughs> so it's it's it was fascinating because I'd, I'd never been to a desert race before, um, and and are you addicted? Are you hooked? I'm not addicted, but what I really liked there were a couple things I really enjoyed. One was the sense of community. Um, the racers aren't really racing each other. They're racing the desert. Yeah, they're and, racing nature. <laughs> yeah, and nature will kill you. Nature is badass. We, we're talking to BJ Baldwin, who was running the uh, Toyota uh, entry, the, the factory-backed one. And um, just a short time before this race, he was in Baja, and he hit a boulder the size of a car oh my God. head on. Because the other thing about this type of racing is you don't know what the track's going to be like uh an hour down the road because just because it was one way when you went by it the second time you come around there's been so many trucks that have gone by they could have knocked stuff into the road they could have slammed into each other there could be pieces of a vehicle there could be pieces of rock um regardless that's what happened to him somehow this boulder had rolled into the into the uh the 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 trail and he couldn't see it in time because it's night (laughs) And he hit it head on, and I saw pictures of the truck. They basically they had to rebuild the entire vehicle. They saved like a very small section of the truck and redid the entire thing. He says it's the worst crash he's ever been in, and it's the worst wrecking of a truck he's ever seen. Um, he finished fourth uh, at the Mint, and uh, ask anyone at that race, and I did, um, what what whether they'd be happy with that result, and and most people consider finishing it to be a victory. <laughs> <laughs> and I I also also uh, Jay Leno was running this year. Oh, wow. He won his class. It was a largely stock Toyota Tundra pickup. The comedian class? The, the comedian class. Yeah. I actually met him the night before. Oh, cool. Uh, we had a small meet and greet because we were with Toyota, and he was uh, very, very generous with his time mm-hmm. and um, talked a lot about cars, talked about his, his uh, jet motorcycle, talked about his steam cars. And, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a genuine car guy, and uh, everything you might have seen or heard about him is true um he's not uh, doesn't he doesn't put on any airs so that was uh it was it was a good experience um to to see him there and he it was funny because 
he was racing very early in the morning. I think five in the morning was when his class started and he was performing that night. And I think his show went to like 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just the lifestyle he leads where, he, he, you know, he goes and then does 400 miles in a, in, in a desert in a largely stock pickup truck running the same class. Sorry, not the same class, but the same terrain that those uh, specifically built for the Tundra, specifically built for the desert trucks are uh, running. So anyway, that, that was kind of a kind of an interesting glimpse into how his mind works. That's very cool. Are you planning on going to any more um, off-road or desert races? Of Baja or um, what's the other big one? Dakar? Well, I wouldn't. Well, Dakar is always personally. When I was a kid, uh, Dakar was the only race I wanted to enter. Enter. Um, yeah, wow. it was the only race where I thought like, if I have the chance, I forget NASCAR, forget Formula One. This is what I want to do. It just seemed like the most fascinating and strenuous and difficult and rewarding race that there was um and it's i know it's very different now because it's just too difficult to run the original route uh but it's still it's still something that that i'm fascinated by very cool um i want to take the helm and talk about uh some kind of off-roading that i did as well um in a brand new volkswagen atlas which is um a new crossover from volkswagen and a car that they desperately needed to have um for a long time, and they finally delivered it. Maybe ten years too late. Uh, any questions <laughs> on this, man? No. Um, you know, the styling on that vehicle is a very how do you say blue oval? I think <laughs> it's a is lot the term of, you would use. It looks like a lot of other successful crossovers uh, mushed into one. I see a little bit of Grand Cherokee in it. Uh, I can see the blue oval influence um, or the pilot influence. And uh, it's very interesting. The styling is the hardest thing to judge on this car. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you'll you'll understand why. Um, but the rest of the car is quite solid. Uh, I drove a I drove a V6 equipped model with um, all wheel drive. We took it around um, rural Quebec, and uh, we were supposed to drive it on an ice lake, but the weather was not cooperating. Uh, it rained a lot. The temperature went up, uh, and the ice lake was a little bit slushy. Uh, rather than being stupid. Why not take the risk? Atlas. Atlas is risk. Isn't that what the, the advertising campaign is going to be? Atlas, <laughs> do it now. Do it. Atlas, do close it. your eyes. Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, uh, they haven't, they really didn't discuss any advertising uh, opportunities with me, but uh, I think, I think that would be really important for them. They, should, they need to have strong advertising. And I think having an Arnold themed uh volkswagen campaign get to the chopper and look at atlas get to the atlas go in the lake (laughs) did you ever watch the tv show catwalk catwalk i don't think so catwalk so this is i'm pretty sure that anyone who's not american i mean who's not canadian has never seen this show but there used to be this show on a show channel called ytv yeah television and uh it was it was called catwalk and it was about a band called catwalk And this is one of those bands where, like, it was the early 90s, so um, you had a guitar in the band, and you had a guitar that you never heard, but you also had two people in the band whose job was just to dance. Nice. <laughs> because back then, it was, it was like, Prodigy did that, too. There were, there were dancers in Prodigy that, that, that they didn't do anything creatively or musically. Uh, they were just basically dancing deadweight, kind of. And uh, you could support that because the music industry was thriving. But there was a guy named Atlas on the show. Oh, that see. was his full name. First name Atlas, last name question mark. And <laughs> he, he was a bouncer by day. But at night, he played – he didn't play, sorry. He danced or posed on stage while Atlas uh, – sorry, uh, Catwalk did their thing. The only claim to fame for this show is it was Nev Campbell's first show. 
This is the funniest thing I've ever heard, and I'm so glad that you're enlightening me with this uh, Canadiana. Uh, Atlas. Atlas. He was like this fucking How mega buff. I remember this guy. This I never not think about Catwalk. <laughs> he was this mega buff bald dude, and he was like, you know, those guys who like look super tough, but really he had a heart of gold. Nice. Did they yeah. tackle everyday, you know, young people uh, problems like Degrassi on on Catwalk? No, they were like a step above Degrassi. Like none of them were in school. They were oh. all kind of just doing the band. Um, but uh, the, their manager, Billy Kay. Had this pretty sweet Mercedes, like uh, like I want to say like an S class or an an SE from like the late 60s, yeah. and uh, they were always questioning Billy Kay's devotion to them. And then in one of the last episodes, he sells his Mercedes so he can fund their demo because that's how much he believed in them, man. Nice. That, I, yeah. I, what a, I mean, that's enough to convince me. I used to watch that show all the time because we we didn't have a lot of channels. <laughs> yeah, it, it does sound like something I would end up watching as well. Uh, I was like eleven, I think, or twelve. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Catwalk. Yeah, Atlas. Atlas edition. Volkswagen. Get in the Atlas. Volkswagen. Maybe they should set. Maybe that's exactly how they should advertise. You're right. They should use Atlas from Catwalk. See where he's at. Now. I don't want to see him now. <laughs> I, the lifestyle he was leading then. Who knows? He could be alive nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He might be, it might be more of a cautionary tale than anything else. <laughs> Man, I was a I was a victim of early '90s youth-oriented television. If anyone approaches you on the street with a script, just say no. Walk in the other direction. It's not too late. Here's a number you can call. It does. I don't know if he talks like that, but I don't remember him talking. <laughs> Um, he, he spoke with his motion, with his human, with the human body. The human body, yeah, that's how you do it. Um, here's the uh, here's the quick pros on the on the Atlas. It's um, it's going to be kind of affordable. It's going to be around thirty thousand dollars, thirty five thousand dollars in Canada. Um, it's also very spacious and um, it has a very good smooth engine. But that engine is one of the the low points as well. It's a V six engine which just has. 265 horsepower i think or 75 Where did they horsepower. Get that engine? it's the same it's not... same v6 engine they've had throughout their their whole lineup okay uh so you'll see it in the passat 276 um horsepower and um in comparison to some of the other other vehicles in the, in the segment it seems a little underpowered um that was my biggest complaint with it i think the durango can have a, a very powerful three over 300 horsepower engine the ford explorer can have uh, a twin turbo v6 I think the Highlander in, in pilot can have 300 horsepower V6 engines, and this thing doesn't even is just at 376. And I feel like that might be uh, even if even if it's capable at 376, it might 276. Be, uh, sorry, at 276, uh, even if it's capable at that number, uh, I think some people will look at that number and be like, eh, it's not enough. Yeah, maybe. And you know, it's kind of like Volkswagen doesn't have a lot of money right now. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what happened. Yeah, so like they developed this this new SUV and they kind of just reached into the parts bin for the motor. Well, and, I think it was uh, supposed to come with a TDI. Yeah, of course. And of then course. that blew. That just didn't work out. <laughs> so here they are. Yes. Um, and that's it. That's what I've got to say about this thing. I enjoyed it. I think it'll. It, I think it'll be a solid car. Um, but you know, time will tell if the consumers are are scarred from Volkswagen and. Um, and if they are, then nothing they do can can really help. On the other hand, this is a car they need to they need they need in their lineup. It's a vehicle that is, it's a segment that is just thriving, um, and people love their big crossovers. And this is one finally from Volkswagen. 
I, I also drove a, a large SUV. Yeah, tell last me about week. this. This sounds like a great, a really good experience that you had. So, well, um, Land Rover has finally redesigned all of its lineup. I mean, the the new Discovery. Uh, it's an it's an old name, but it's a new vehicle, and it's replacing the LR4. And the LR4 was, you know, it was a, a three-row SUV, full size, um, but it, it was based on very, very, very old platform. Um, the the original Discovery back in '89 was based on the Range Rover platform, and uh, it changed over time, but it was still that kind of mix of body on frame with some like weird monocoque elements that they they had kind of thrown in over the years. And uh, now, finally, they have an all-new unibody, just like every other vehicle in the Land Rover lineup, Range Rover uh, or, or Land Rover, you know, the, the, the Sport, the regular Range Rover, the Evoque, the Discovery Sport, which came out just before this. So it's a, it's, it's a fully modern uh, interpretation of the, you know, f- affordable family luxury. Mm-hmm. And this car starts at, I believe, 49000 That's Canadian or U.S.? U.S. I think wow. it's 49000 Yeah. Yeah. Wow is right. That's, that's- um that sounds like a lot. Am I am I am I wrong? Does that sound like a lot for a three-row luxury SUV with a Land Rover badge on it? But it's not a Range Rover. No. But it has the same engine you get in a Range Rover Sport. You start out with the 340 horsepower supercharged V6, the three liter. But you can get a turbo diesel. Okay, that sounds good. Those two those um, two engines sound good. But I would compare this to um, an Acura MDX and a. And they don't. Are you laughing at me? Well, <laughs> no. here's where they're different. Okay. Here's where they're different. The Acura MDX is not going to. Land Rover calls this the most capable off road vehicle they've ever built. What? Yes. Ever? They say ever. Didn't they make they it say the, with the, the Defender? Te- yep, even, even better than the Defender. Never they really say with the technology it. that they've stuffed underneath it. Um, the, the, you know, the, the different terrain response, uh, system that's inside of it, the, uh, locking differentials, uh, the air suspension, just everything about it. Um, they say that it's their most capable. And, uh, we did a lot of off-roading with it. We did some rock climbing. We drove through the pink coral sand dunes national park, which was pretty cool. I'd never done anything like that before. Cool. Um, we did some very light off-roading on some sandy trails where, we actually had some issues with the vehicle getting stuck because uh, there were some inexperienced drivers and they would stop in the road. <laughs> and when I say road, I mean sandy path. Yeah. And, and the people behind them would get stranded because you can't just stop in the middle of uh, – we were on stock tires, all t- all season tires. Yeah. So they don't have – they're you not get. like – yeah, they're not – BFG KO2s or something like that. No, no, no. So, so if you stop in the middle of uh, axle deep sand, you're not getting. You out sink. Of it. So we had you to basically sink, right? Yeah, it wasn't their fault. It was the fault of the people ahead of them. Um, but other than that, we had no issues with the vehicles. They're very capable, very comfortable. The diesel, it's the one I would get. Um, it's not very fast on the highway. It lacks the punch you get from like a European continental diesel, like a German diesel. But uh, everything else is fine. Um, it's a surprisingly quiet vehicle, too. You would never know you're driving a diesel until you park beside a concrete wall and you hear the clicking um, the, the echo back at you. Like, yeah. Cool. It's it's something that Land Rover has been able to do successfully in all of their diesel vehicles. So I I, I like the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool. What is the true it's, competition of this? Why can't I figure it out? Because I've always thought Land Rover was not a full luxury brand like Mercedes, Audi, and BMW. Well, we've had this conversation. I, I, so what are they if they're not a luxury brand? I think they're a premium brand like Acura, Lexus, not Lexus, Buick, um, Lincoln, uh, Infinity. 
I don't know that you're the only person who's ever voiced that to me. <laughs> okay, well I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, no, for it's going okay. against the grain. I mean, just as I long as you feel like, shame about it, and that that that's that's fine. I just feel like Mercedes, Audi, and BMW have these really buttoned-down luxury cars that that make no compromises on the on the luxury elements of these cars. And every Land Rover I've been in, I, it wasn't a completely luxurious experience. But it can go off-road. Okay. Which not a single BMW or Mercedes can claim to do. But that's Except not, for that's the G-Wagon. Not, that's, not that's not the aspect of a luxury car, though. But that's their branding. Okay. And, you know, they have all the other luxury gear. It's 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 very luxury-oriented. I You know, I don't know. In my mind, I don't see the... From, for me, the division between Range Rover and Land Rover is... Range Rover is just the performance division. The very high-end performance division. Whereas... The Land Rover vehicles are just still luxury, but they're family-oriented. Okay, I can, I can run with that. If that's that's the way it is, I can I can stand by that. That's cool. Um, what else do we got to talk about, man? Well, uh, you had an idea. Uh, you, you had an idea that you've been kicking around that you wanted to talk about, and that was. Um, yeah, was, let's was, do a little. Let's do a little feature. Let's do a little a quick list. We can talk about some things that. Um, um, yeah, let's do like a feature. Let's talk about the best cars. For a robbery. You see what I'm saying? A, a robbery or robbing a bank? They're, these are two different things. What's the difference? I mean, if you're going to rob anything, it's going to be the bank. What? Okay. <laughs> what, what? Would you rob something else? Oh, uh, I... N- oh, the maple no. Syrup, the maple syrup reserve? I would not rob anything, <laughs> Sammy. No one's going to do this. At least no one, who would, <laughs> no one who would at least send a, send our names to the, to the police. Uh, it's theoretical. We're joking around. We can, t- and, and you know, robbing a bank is much like going to Costco and uh, and trying to get in and out as fast as possible. So I think we're gonna Except provide you some. Except you fill real- your shopping cart with money. <laughs> yeah. Except for you fill your shopping cart with money. Um, so there, there's a really important uh, question to be made now. For me, do you have any ideas what you would pick if you were gonna rob a bank? Uh, something that blends in but is fast. See, I would I would also pick something that would blend in. A lot of people would probably go with the fastest thing that they could go, and I would go with probably something that isn't that fast and something far more pedestrian and something that you can that you can buy or on the cheap because you're you're a bank robber and you're probably thinking about money uh, and saving money. Now, first of all, I'm not buying my getaway car. I'm stealing my getaway car. Come on, dude. You don't leave a paper trail <laughs> when you rob a bank. This is a terrible idea. Oh, damn. I didn't think about that. Then You obviously haven't robbed a bank before. No, I haven't. Not lately. I mean, not since all this, yeah, you know, all these paper trail, this paper trail business. Back in my day, we used to just, you know, hand the guy some cash and that was it. Um, okay, then, then where are you going to, how are you going to lift uh, yourself a, a, a heist car. What 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 are you gonna do? Where are you gonna go to find your heist car? Probably a dealership or long term parking <laughs> at the airport. <laughs> a dealership. You're telling me you think a dealership won't have like uh like security? Okay, let me tell you a story about dealership security. Okay. So um in Montreal we used to pick up our press cars from um Dodge West Island. Uh, it was a dealership that was in a suburban neighborhood, you know, totally normal main street, well trafficked. And then we had to stop because they kept having cars stolen out of their lot. They lost like two SRT Jeeps and something else in like a period of a month. So that tells you a little bit about dealership security. If you want to get the cars, you can get the cars. It's it's not – but why not go to airport parking and grab something from there? Then the only paper trail you leave is 
when you pay to leave and you get the uh, the little you know token or whatever it is, you have to pay at the the exit. Um, no one's gonna no one's gonna notice those cars are are missing until much later on. That's true. Also, that's a great that it's like a victimless crime there. And you can well, probably it's, it's, return the car at the end of the at the end of your life. How is that victim? No, you're not gonna want <laughs> it back when I'm done because I'm I'm setting it on fire after I fill it with bleach, dude. You've obviously <laughs> never robbed a bank. Come on, what what are these these like? You're gonna return the car you used in a Maybe robbery? You're a what is bank it? robber? Why wouldn't you? If you're a good bank robber, you don't return the car. Think about all the alibis involved. And so, like, you, if you did return the car and somebody found it, they'd be like, it was, it was, it was the owner of the car. And the guy would be like, no, I'm not. Here, here's I'm how that would go. If if someone found it, they'd be like, treasure trove of evidence. <laughs> that's what, that's no, what they would say. You'd put it back. You'd clean it out. You know, you 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 really. Well, I mean, hair and fiber. Oh. Think of all the hair and fiber and bodily fluids that you've put inside that vehicle. <laughs> bodily fluids. I mean, yeah. first of all, the real question is, uh, do you think they put CSI in, on these bank robberies? They're important. They're, they've got it depends how much I depends how much I stole. So you're obviously you're obviously stealing to make a statement. I I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. I, wouldn't, I mean, we still haven't addressed the single question here. <laughs> I wouldn't casually rob a bank. Like I wouldn't go in and be like, "Give me four hundred dollars." <laughs> Why not? Why not? That's enough to get get by for you know. To trade your freedom for? I don't think so. No, people would understand. Who would understand? The guy whose car we stole. You really wouldn't need a you wouldn't need a car for that much money, would you? To be honest, I'm using a helicopter (laughs) for four hundred dollars. Whatever, man. Raise the stakes. Okay, so where are you gonna find a helicopter? And how are you gonna train? At At the helipad. How are you gonna fly it? I'm not gonna fly it. I'm gonna have someone else fly. But it. Then you've got to cut your. You've got to make it. You've got to cut the the winnings, the earnings. No, you just got to cut someone out. Oh dear, <laughs> this got serious. Then you've got to live with the moral guilt of killing somebody. I didn't say he was dead. Then <laughs> what's he gonna? What's happening to him? Some things are worse than dying, Sammy. Oh dear, and you're you're comfortable living with that? So obviously they're they're worse than dying on somebody else, but not so bad on your judgment, on your on your personal health, your your mental health. Look, are we trying to help people rob a bank here? Or are we going to have a moral witch hunt and like, you know, look, flay me be, for my we, for my life choices? Don't we both doesn't everybody hate the banks though? Everyone wants to rob the bank. Everyone hates the banks. The banks screw everybody over, don't they? They caused the recession. Is that a is that a rhetorical question? They caused a recession. Caused I don't recession. know. <laughs> Okay. So now you're justifying your robbery. I didn't. I didn't even try to do that. I was just trying to make it out alive, and not get caught. But now you've turned into like some kind of Point Break style, um, doing it for the I don't know something warm and fuzzy reason as to why you're robbing the bank. Yeah, naturally. Um, so I would go with uh, something that's common, easy to find. So I'm thinking like uh, like uh, like a Honda or a Toyota. Um, it's got to have some space because. Um, and it's got to have a low load floor because there's also, uh, at least from what I've seen in some banks, there's like bricks of gold. And I'm really interested in those rather than all of the cash. And I want... Let, let's, let's, let's back up <laughs> no, for a wait, second. No, no, we're still good. How much can you bench? <laughs> I may, well, maybe if I get a small enough car, I can just drive it into the bank. And... What do you think a brick of gold weighs? Mm-hmm. Follow-up question. Yes. What do you think a brick of gold weighs while you're running and being chased and shot at simultaneously? <laughs> no one will shoot a man with gold. They don't want to damage the goods. 
You can't damage gold with a bullet. Come on, man. Then I'll just Plus then I'll coat myself in the I'll wear your it. warm soft body will will absorb all the bullets. <laughs> you, you think I'll be protecting the gold rather than the gold protecting me? What about the No uneasy, one knows why you grabbed the what gold, about Sammy. The uneasy bond that me and the gold have 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 created. What about all those doubloons? Are you going to grab the doubloons, too? I mean, assuming I'm at a, a pirate-themed bank, yeah, that might work out, too. Uh, you know, well, you want to grab our treasury deposit, treasure, treasury deposits. I don't know what that is. They're completely it, it, are untraceable. Are also indulgences there? They're completely untraceable, <laughs> and they're light, and you can put them in your pocket. Treasury deposit certificates. That's what you want. But if you can put it in your pocket, what's the point of having a car? Well, because you got to go away from the scene. That's the only reason you have the car. But you can get like on a subway or a streetcar or you know. You're gonna transit. get on a subway, yeah. dude. Why? That you realize you're walking into an underground cage. That's was the worst thing you could <laughs> but do. With so many other people, it's like the most populous place. Yeah, and there's only so many exits, and all they have to do is close all of those exits, and you're you're caught. I mean, why not just walk into a phone booth and then shoot your gun through the through the roof of the phone booth over and over until somebody finds you? <laughs> the key is to blend in with everybody that's my that's my vision of a of a good heist right i mean did okay, you watch so you, oceans 11 they they blended in they didn't yeah and i remember that scene away. where they walked into a, a subway car with a huge sack of money and there were all those other people with huge sacks of money and they just blended totally right in i remember that <laughs> you're right that was the uh that was oceans uh the other one um <laughs> but they, they didn't have a fast car they did have a van though didn't they i don't remember I see. It was a long time ago. Well, all I remember is George Clooney's smile. Yeah, and Brad Pitt eating something. You know, probably a pickup truck would be a good idea because that way, if you run into any obstacles, you can just kind of smash through them. Unless it was a ram, in which case the reliability concerns might be uh, might be warranted. Wow, that's just like a totally unwarranted shot at ram. <laughs> hey, you've read the you've read the Consumer Reports. Also, you really made this really made this personal. Yeah, of course I did. Uh, well, what about the infotainment system, though? I mean, at least the RAM has a great infotainment system for when you're when you're robbing nah, the bank. All I need is I, it just needs to play "Danger Zone" by Kenny Loggins. <laughs> it's the only thing I need to play. What about that transmission? I mean, at least will you really feel comfortable? Um, or you could be mine by Guns N' Roses. So <laughs> rotating that transmission dial into into drive or reverse to to really get your way in and out of. The... No, what you do is you you leave it in drive and you park it up against a wall so the rear wheels are just spinning. <laughs> And then you jump in it and you you crank the wheel and you're you're out of there. Or you have a partner. Again, you are you and your helicopter, you and your partner. You're always all about the partner. You're you're losing all of your gains this way. I prefer to use the word partner other than Patsy, but if you want to call them a Patsy, then I'm fine with that yeah, too. I'm telling you, you need a small car with a hatchback that is anonymous that you can fill with cash and then disappear onto a busy highway where nobody would would suspect, would suspect you. I don't know, man. I think it's a mistake going for the vault. <laughs> then what would you go for? The people? Cash cash drawers. The cash drawers. Anything under, anything under $100. They don't trace it. No one's going to look at those serial numbers. If you go into the vault, it takes too much time. Plus, there's die packs. You don't want to have to deal with that. Die packs are, I think die packs are coming back in style. They definitely are. I think, like, but I don't want to wear one. Like tie die packs. <laughs> tie die packs. Like, well, well, because tie dye is coming back in style, your die packs will look great. Anyway, that that's just how I feel. So I I, I want to pick up truck. You want to pick up truck? Would you want a ram? It doesn't Air suspension matter. that will balance the load. <laughs> the, I told you I'm not I'm not bringing a big sack of 
gold bars you, like you, you can are. Also launch, you can also launch I'm not asking the cashiers the to help. I'm not asking the bank tellers to help me load the truck. <laughs> they don't want to help you. Everyone hates the bank. Remember what I said? Everyone's going everyone's to be cheering for you to get out of it. Yeah, screw you, bank. Yeah, I have faith. Um, you can launch a drone off the back of a, of a Ram. That's cool. Of any pickup truck, I suppose. Would you be interested in that? You can scout the scene. No, 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 because then they could like trace the drone back to me using the uh, radio signal. I don't get you and your. You think we're living in like Tron times? I don't. They like just just. Uh, they they can trace everything. They can. Uh, that stuff Look, takes man. time. Look, man, have you ever ever heard of me getting caught robbing a bank? No, I haven't. Have you heard? Exactly. Have you heard of me? Getting exactly. Caught robbing a bank. What's that? Have you heard of me getting caught robbing a bank? No, I haven't. But I also haven't seen your house made of gold bars. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I have a suspicion that maybe you haven't robbed a bank. But you have heard me talking about it. I have. Bragging to your friends down at the local pub. Yeah. Attracting all sorts of attention. No, I do keep... I'm, like I, an amateur. I keep a low profile. Yeah, until it's time to spend those gold bars. And then I disappear into the, into the crowd. Mm. That's the way I do it, Ben. You know it. I think we solved this. Well, this we is, solved this problem. This, good. It's been a fascinating mental exercise. <laughs> Um, I think that's all we got for the uh, Unnamed Automotive Podcast this week. Uh, we we appreciate you sticking back with us after a small hiatus while me and Ben were traveling and getting new stories to tell you guys. Um, and we're looking forward to another another recording next week. What do you think, Ben? Sounds good to me, Sammy. What uh, Do you have anything interesting lined up next week? Um, not really. Oh, actually, well, I'm driving the G90, the Genesis G90. That's, that's and, very uh, I have already... I've already driven it, but uh, I'm looking forward to it yet again. And uh, this week I'm driving the Hyundai Ionic. I'm driving the electric version and the hybrid version, so I'll talk about that next week as well. Wow, you're driving the electric one. Cool. Um, yep, uh, both of them back to back. Next week I'm also driving something uh, fuel conscious. I'm driving the F, the Honda Clarity uh, fuel cell vehicle. Ooh. What? It's not an attractive vehicle. <laughs> uh, it's. I think it's more attractive than the other uh, mainstream fuel cell vehicle which is the toyota mirai an admittedly low bar to hurdle 100 percent agree with you on that and i can't wait to tell <laughs> you guys all about that and what it's like to to drive an, a, a fuel cell vehicle a modern fuel cell vehicle in 2017 uh, and i want to say uh, i want to apologize to ghostface killer we're gonna have to bump you we don't have enough time to get you on this week's show but next week fingers crossed yeah he unfortunately left uh, sometime around the um the bank robbery segment uh, we actually anticipated his help on that, and uh, he didn't. He 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 didn't have time for it. So that's a, that's a huge unfortunate um, situation that we found ourselves into. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. If you want to find out more about our podcast, you can find us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com/slash Unnamed Automotive Podcast. We're also at SoundCloud, and if you just type in your web browser, be it Google Chrome, Firefox, or uh, Internet Explorer or Safari or Opera. Or Opera. People love Opera. Um, you type in unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and you'll go straight to our SoundCloud account. Um, what else? How else can people find us, Ben? Uh, they can find us on. Did you say Google Play and iTunes? No, I didn't. You definitely can find us on Google Play or iTunes. Uh, and you can subscribe to us there as well. And you can definitely leave some reviews and some comments through there. But if you want to be a little bit more personal, you can reach out to me and Ben um, individually. I prefer Twitter. You can find me at um, Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing at me. That's H-A. Uh, and you can find Ben at, at um, Hunting Benjamin. That's, That's right. That's the one. 
So thank you for listening, and until next week. Toodaloo. <laughs> Are you okay there? I'm. I. I I, I think I had a mini stroke, but I'm feeling good now. I hope you're feeling okay. Uh, until next week. That's right. That's a good way to end it. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.